Hi guys! Welcome to this week's episode of Mixed Methods. A number of people have asked questions about getting masters or PhDs, and I thought it would be useful to do episodes every once in a while highlighting various graduate programs. This week will be the first. Feel free to direct message me through the Slack group if you'd like to hear about a particular program, and I'll do my best to accommodate. Remember, you can join the Slack group by going to the community tab at mixed-methods.org. And if you have a second, please write a review about the podcast wherever you listen. Here's this week's episode. If it wasn't uh, the first job that they got that was their dream job, it was the next job that they got that was their dream job. Um, But the experiences that they had during the program while they were um, taking different classes, building their portfolio, working with professors in the field, I think that all really helped them eventually get there. Anna Turner graduated with a BS in economics from the London School of Economics. She will share her story, but as you might have guessed, she made a transition to UX research. Anna used a 12-month master's program in human-computer interaction at Carnegie Mellon University to facilitate this career shift and ended up landing her dream job at Google. This is Ariel Sianflon, and you're listening to Mixed Methods. Today's episode, Grad School, Yay or Nay, Part 1. Here's Anna describing where she started and how she found UX research. I'm really just interested in hearing kind of like your whole story in terms of grad school. So what was going on? We can just start with what was going on before you went? Like, what was your profession? Why were you thinking about it? Sure. Um, So my journey towards uh, realizing I wanted to do UX as a profession was interesting and and winded and uh, a little bit uh, strange, uh, mostly because I think that unless you're in one of those cities where people practice technology um, pretty regularly, you don't really know what UX is. Um, So I didn't know that it existed as a profession really until um, I I sort of accidentally began working for a digital agency. Um, So so to backtrack a little, um, my first profession, I guess, was in economics. Um, I went to school, got an econ degree. I came out of it and worked as a research assistant for a, a think tank in D.C. Um, and, you know, just figured out that I did not want to get a Ph.D. in this. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say maybe the common thread is is this uh, storytelling component. Because econ, you know, if you can look at, what it is that you're actually analyzing the numbers for. It's um, it's some interesting stories about how people um, how people live their life, right? It's about uh, social security and um, legislation, uh, labor law, etc. So that job really gave me an appreciation of of that. Um, considering that that think tank um, really really valued that that aspect of it. And uh, so to, to make a drastic career change, I sort of looked around and saw what was what was out there. There was happened to be a creative agency in D.C. Uh, that had an opening and um, as as an intern of some kind. So I, I just sort of applied and said I had research skills. Um, I want to change my career. Um, I can do these things. Do you do you have any need for me? And they said, sure. Um, so from there, uh, I, I started working as a sort of marketing research analyst intern. I ended up moving towards something closer to brand strategy. And through there, I met for the first time UX designers, UX researchers, um, 
you know, that whole field. And by interacting with those folks, I, I discovered it was a field um, and that you could actually study it. I'd say that uh, from there, it was sort of how do I get to a UX job with my current credentials and my current experience? And I think that, uh, you know, eventually the idea of going back to school uh, became really interesting to me because of uh, how much my my past credentials seem to be uh, I don't want to say holding me back maybe albatross <laughs> of, of some kind because no matter where I'd apply they would see econ and, and think analyst uh, so I, I thought you know why what better way to to signal to people that you know I wanted to do something more closely to UX than to make a really big change and to put a different degree on my resume um, I applied to a number of different programs. Um, I continued to work at, you know, at the agency. Later, I worked at a consulting firm that did uh, social media strategy. And I just kept trying to bring in a UX uh, component to it, especially UX research, which was what I was interested in at the time. Um, and you know, when I uh, got accepted to the program, I was really excited. Uh, and it, it sort of began this new chapter of my career. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear you, you know, because it sounds like you were at this threshold where you could have gone a lot of different directions. So why did you pick UX research, like of all the the different, you know, forms that you could have practiced UX? Sure. Um, I think that uh, my, one of the most interesting parts of the whole UX process is is talking to users about what it is that they want from any product or site and especially about you know the issues that they're experiencing and those concerns so what really fascinates me is is you know really sitting in front of them and having that discussion I think everything after that is really great and creative and I think that it's possible to be creative as a UX researcher and and still get that um, and still be fulfilled in that way by the means that you actually communicate your findings. And then after that, I think, you know, maybe I have less interest, like actually getting down to exactly what the wireframes might look like, what kind of interactions would be there, um, maybe even getting into higher fidelity uh, and answering those questions. I think that, you know, at that point, um, you are, you're sort of fine tuning and you're making different types of creative decisions. But the part that's always really fascinated me is the part where I sit in front of the user and and get their full story. And then I get to see them interact with whatever it is uh, was a result of basically the findings that I, I went and brought back to a team. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Uh, so you applied to all these programs and you got into uh, Carnegie Mellon. I imagine that you got into other programs. So I, I only actually applied to... Uh, I applied to the University of Maryland uh, program partially because it's very close to where I was working at the time Um, and also partially because I think it's actually one of the, if I'm not mistaken, one of the oldest HCI programs around um, uh, and it it was a great opportunity for me to, I could actually go and and meet with some of the professors um, because I was so close. Another program that I was uh, that I applied to was I think Stanford has a, a program that isn't specifically sort of HCI, but it is some combination of symbolic systems. Yes, I think that was it. Uh, so I did apply to that program as well, and I applied to the Carnegie Mellon program, and, and all of them are actually quite different, I think, in terms of uh, the length of the program and I think the main goal of the program, um, and uh, 
the Carnegie Mellon program, I think, stood out to me in particular because I I have a tendency to want to just get back into it. Like I, my goal from the beginning was I want to work in this field. And the Carnegie Mellon program was very much about being hands-on. Um, and uh, it, it's a 12-month program, like straight through. It's high intensity. They advertise it as, you know, you're going to be working very, very hard for this period of time. Um, and then there's this capstone project that is uh, working with a real company. And I think that's that's one of the most appealing components of it is is being able to actually have a real long-term project with a real company with real needs and work on a team of, of students as if you were actually a, a product team that had been hired. So I think from the get-go is probably the most appealing option. Um, and then because it was one of the programs I got into, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. So you said it's 12 months straight through. Typically, students do an internship, you know, and that, like, makes their um, applications later on more competitive. Did you feel like that was a problem at all, or were you concerned about that? Uh, no. Um, I think that so, – so there is actually a part of the program that uh, – there's a type of program where you can uh, leave in the middle and, and do an internship – but then uh, continue your education in Portugal. So there's a, there were some students, it's a smaller program, I think it's called, it's called the Madeira program. Um, so they start with us for the first, I think, half of, of, the, uh, of the program, and then they go to Madeira afterwards, but they're, because theirs is extended, they're able to do an internship in between, and then the rest of us also do a 12 months. So I, I, do, I didn't want to... Um, for accuracy's sake, I, I wanted to bring up that there there was a component of the program that did allow for an internship, but um, I think that that wasn't a concern for me, partially because I had had previous work experience, um, and also because uh, it, so something that I heard a lot in the program was you know it is what you make of it, which is in some sense sort of putting the responsibility on you to use the time that you're there to build a portfolio to take advantage of the resources that are there. Um, and, you know, make decisions about your career, uh, you know, in this really great environment that will allow you to have the job of your dream, so to speak. So I think that if you come into the program without a lot of prior work experience, then, yeah, you might have a bit of a, um, you might be held back a little by the lack of an internship sort of built into the program. However, I found that um, a good percentage of our class was like that, and if it if it wasn't uh, the first job that they got that was their dream job, it was the next job that they got that was their dream job. Um, but the experiences that they had during the program while they were um, taking different classes, building their portfolio, working with professors in the field, I think that all really helped them eventually get there. So I guess uh, what I would say is from a personal perspective, it wasn't a concern for me because of the prior work experience. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Um Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about the program itself. Like, what did you get out of it? What were you doing? What did you like? What did you not like? Sure. Um, well, uh, it was definitely an intensive program. <laughs> I think um, I think the things that I like most about it were it was, I think, first and foremost, you really can't compete with the caliber. Uh, and that This is a personal opinion, obviously. But in my opinion, I think the caliber of the uh, – of the professors that you're working with is is pretty incredible 
And, and I actually think that you don't realize this as much if you're not in the industry until you go to a conference and, and sort of see what else is out there and realize that the classes that you're taking from the professors that, uh, that are teaching them, they're at the forefront of HCI and UX thinking uh, in this field. So for example, part of the program is um, that we are given a stipend to go to a UX conference. So a lot of us went to CHI that year. Um, uh, there, you could also have gone to a South by Southwest or Interaction, uh, the Interaction Design Conference, but most of us went to CHI, I think, that year because it was in Toronto. And it, it was interesting to hear other professionals in the field talk about methods that were new or emerging that we were learning in our own classes because they had been developed by teachers that we were, were learning them from. Wow. Um, and I think that getting that context was really interesting. I think maybe we didn't realize it as much in, you know, while we were doing the courses. Um, so I, I think that that's something that, you know, you, you get even though you may not quite understand it at the time. Another thing that I liked, I'll say I like this now because it was good for me. <laughs> um, although it was, it's obviously frustrating, I think, in any situation is they really emphasize project-based work, as in most of the work that you do is in a project group, as if you were, you know, actually doing this as a job somewhere. So they understand and they really try to emphasize that in real life, you're going to work on a team. And that might mean that not everyone necessarily pulls their weight and there's going to be team dynamics that come into play. And that's, that's not that's the most apparent in the final capstone project because you're stuck with this one group of four to five people for many, many months uh, doing a, one long-term project together and having to deal with the dynamics of that team. So I think there are a lot of bad <laughs> experiences that might come out of it in the immediate term in the sense of you're learning, right? You're learning to deal with difficult situations with people. You're learning to, um, you know, conflict do conflict management which by the way is part of the training for this program is we do conflict management actually at the beginning in our orientation oh how funny um, <laughs> because they understand that that this is something that is going to come up um and uh you know it, i think that at the time that you're experiencing it you're 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 hitting your head against the wall sometimes you're thinking this is this is crazy you know i i have to uh i have to deal with this right now and um, you know, I'm already really, really tired and, and working many, many hours, but um, I think it's actually probably one of the most rewarding things that most of us come away with, especially those who don't have as much experience in the real workforce. Um, in terms of, uh, oh, and I think one really good thing about the program, which again, you don't quite realize when you're there, but you do when you're out, is um, the alumni network is, is pretty incredible. And, and that's partially because it's almost like we've all gone through this same 12-month experience. And so past classes I've found to be very, very helpful, resourceful, interesting people who are willing to answer your questions and help you out. Um, and then, you know, you in turn feel like you should do the same to, to following uh, classes. So, so I'd say that's another really wonderful part of the program. In terms of things I didn't like, I, I'll put project work in there too, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's technically good for me, but at the same time, it's very frustrating. Um, in what sense? In the sense that, you know, uh, when you're working on a team, you have to immediately deal with different personalities and work ethics and work schedules, just like you would in the, in the real workplace. 
although you have to in some ways learn to to get along a little bit better because you're technically all on the same you know level playing field um and you learn about uh, how to communicate with folks about what you want or communicate to them that maybe you think that they're not doing the job that you thought they would or or maybe you have to to sit back and listen to someone else critique you so i think it's it's tough and uh it can be stressful um good for you technically but i'll put it in the thing i didn't like category (laughs) as well just for the sake of uh you know evening out that i'd say stress was a definite component of it um other things i think it's it's good to be a it's a there are benefits and and negatives to uh it being a 12-month program i'd say that it is very quick especially if you're just getting into the entire field just started diving into it and then you're on to the next thing so it doesn't leave you a lot of room to really um to really stay and and think about the things that you've just learned and potentially dive deeper and it's not quite designed for people to discover that they want to suddenly get a phd in this field because they'd have to it it, it's not it's not like a let's say a foundation course which you then make into you know year one of your phd Uh, you'd have to to start basically from scratch after that it's designed to be very quick so i think that you know one of the negatives there is that if they're rushing to some extent through some of the coursework trying to give you basics then you might feel like you didn't you know explore one concept to the depth that you'd like um you have like one shot essentially Mm mm-hmm so and there were there are some pretty cool courses there so say if that one year or that quarter a teacher wasn't able to teach that course it's it's like you know you suddenly aren't that's it that was your chance um because they're not you're not going to be there next uh next year um so there's uh, i think that that pro- uh, provides some limitations for folks um and i know that there have been a couple of people in our program who've decided, you know, I do want to study this longer term, but they've been fewer and, and further between than, uh, than folks who've, who've just gone on into industry. So I would say that a negative of that program generally is that it's not, it's not going to reveal to you your future as a PhD in HCI. Um, in, in fact, it might just sort of be it might be something that ends up feeling like, oh, why did I spend a year doing this when I would rather have done a PhD in HCI? It's it's pretty clear. You're here to to learn so that you can then probably work um, in the industry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you were even saying that it's a program that's targeted for people who want to go into the field. Uh, so you said, I love that you put projects in the dislike and the like category because I feel like that's so true to life where like, the things you like most are often the most difficult. But so I hear you say uh, a year of projects and I'm like, well, is it worth it for me to make this investment in this grad school program when I could do a year of projects without having that formal training? And so I wonder um, you know, what your perspective is on what you learned that you wouldn't have learned from working in the field for a year. I mean, it sounds like these professors that you have access to, the alumni network is amazing. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested in specifically, like, what did you learn that you couldn't have learned on your own? That's a good question. Um, I think that it's going to depend on the person. And I know that that's a, that's a, a bit of a washy answer. But I'll explain what I mean. 
I'd say that UX is enough of a new profession um, that people are getting to it in a number of different ways. And it it is it is very likely that you are positioned very well to just do it through work experience, um, depending on your background. Now, I know a lot of UX folks who came from psychology, for instance, um, or, or uh, some sort of social science field that makes a cognitive science that makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of, you know, eventually becoming UX research. I think that if you're positioned that way, it, maybe there's a more obvious path towards UX research. And if you're able to find those opportunities or you know people in the industry who can get you those jobs, then I think that it might not be for you um, because you could probably get that experience at work. Um, and then you could beef up your academic credentials by taking one-off courses or going to conferences like Kai and just, you know, learning through being a part of the community. Um, for me, I was located in the D.C. area, which is, you know, there is a design community, but it's very centered around government, as, as, is, as are most industries are in the D.C. area. Um, the other thing is I, I had an economics degree on my resume, and even though that's technically a social science, most people don't really view it as an obvious beginning path for UX research. They think of it more as a it's going into be, being some kind of analyst or some sort of numbers-based uh, role. So in some ways, I think that um, given the jobs climate and my lack of direct contacts in the industry, people had to make a lot of assumptions just by looking at my resume about what my capabilities were. And I think it would have taken me a lot longer to prove to people that I could actually do some of these other types of uh, tasks and, and had these other skills. I, what, I guess I'm making the case that what I'm, what I'm really getting from it is sort of a time, like I'm getting time back, basically. I'm getting uh, a chance to reset myself. Um, what, I, what I think I learned was there were a lot of basics that I think I would not have been exposed to because I just didn't have the connections. I, I wouldn't have known where to go for conferences. Um, I think it would have taken me a while to work my way towards even getting close to a real uh, job title that suggested I even did UX of some kind. So getting into the program was the first time people talk to me as if I might actually work in this field. We started from, you know, user research 101 methods, um, and we were, everyone in the class, no matter how experienced you were, they were, we were all on the same page. So I felt like I was, uh, I was really learning exactly what I was supposed to be learning for my job instead of, you know, oh, you're, you're a business analyst. Maybe you'll have some skills that are UX research, but we're never going to get to the core things. Um, so I think what I mean by, by sort of talking around the issue is that what I really got from that was uh, an assurance to some degree as well as a, a real good 101 course that I was learning core UX things, um, which I don't think I ever would have gotten or felt in industry um, unless by some chance I had met somebody, but I, I don't think I was willing to leave it up to fate at that point. Um, the other thing is, as you say, uh, there's a lot of sort of leading edge stuff that's being done at the CMU program. And, you know, we learned it as if it was 
101 stuff. And so that's really great for us is, is we're, you know, we're very quickly learning some of these things, but it's almost as if they're equipping us with the tools to be relevant in the industry for quite a while. Um, and it was nice to be able to, in interviews for jobs coming out of the program, talk about methodology um, with the, you know, and its pros and cons and how it should be used in certain circumstances with a confidence of almost as if, you know, I had been in the industry for a while and I, of course, knew that this methodology should be used in this in this situation. Um, and that's just not the case for everyone, as I've discovered, uh, even if you have been working in industry for a while. So I, I almost feel like I got a cheat sheet um, and uh, I got to use it. Um, I would love to know... I would love to know how much overlap there was between what you were learning in the program, like these basics, uh, these projects that you were doing, and what you're actually doing, or you know, let's say your first job coming out. Like how much overlap? How much did you feel like, oh, I learned so much, you know, in my job that I didn't learn there. I learned so much there that I'm not actually using in my job. I'm I'm obviously speaking for myself, but I'm gonna assume that a lot of people will say this, who who do a formal education in UX. Um, I think in your first job, you're not going to be using like a good portion of the methods that you learn. Um, but I think it's really, it really depends on, um, let's see, how shall I put this? I've talked to a bunch of my other friends who've done user research outside of the program, and we've all had very different types of jobs with different sort of focuses or foci, I guess. Um, and depending on that, we all kind of, focused in on a couple of different key methods from our program that we just use much more in our particular job. Um, something that you don't really get a sense of in a program like like this is how broad the field of UX research really is. Probably because they're, they're um, grooming you for industry and a lot of times in industry, especially in a smaller place, UX research isn't uh, usually pulled out as a separate thing from UX design. So you're learning, you know, a bunch of methods that are very useful, but you're also learning about design. So as a designer, you might go and use your sort of toolbox of methods, and they're very good for basic types of uh, research, and, and you can pick and choose from that toolbox. When you go into UX research very specifically, and I'm sure the same is true of UX design or any of the other sort of, I'm not going to call them sub-disciplines, but basically if you focus in on one of those disciplines, I think that's when you realize that you could mean a whole bunch of different things. What I found is on the spectrum of UX research, you have on one end very academic research and a, a very um, celebrated legacy of computer science and HCI work and sociology, anthropology, cognitive science that... Uh, that has been going on for a while and has been quite established and is very interesting in and of its own right. And on the other side, you have um, sort of much more product focused, a little bit more like almost, let's say, guerrilla style, where you're, you've got um, a big toolbox maybe, but your real, uh, the real advantage that you bring is that you're very flexible and you can improvise. So I think that when you pick a different profession out of school, you're going to notice that a certain subset of the methods that you learned are going to be way more useful to you depending on where on the spectrum you fall. So at a bigger company like where I'm working now, you're going to focus a lot more on 
the types of methods that um, on on maybe some of the methods like surveys, et cetera, and learning a lot about surveys and really getting in depth uh, on how to write survey questions and survey testing, et cetera. Uh, more like classic, I think, uh, methods like that. And the other types of methods are interesting and they, they should help you think innovatively, but maybe you're focusing more on those core skills. And then I think that on if you're working maybe um, at a smaller place or in a place where, um, you know, the situation isn't like you're, you're working for, say, a large company, maybe you're being sent out in the field. Maybe you're a contractor um, and you're the one person working on UX research for a team. Then you have to be, I think, a bit more innovative about your toolbox and and maybe you might focus on uh, combining a, a bunch of the different methods that um, that you've learned in school. But you wouldn't be, say, deep diving in surveys and everything that goes with surveys. I love that call out because, you know, coming into it, I, I definitely see that differentiation too, where there's some people who it's a science, right? Like they want to treat it the same way you would treat like chemistry or you know, some of these more traditional sciences. And then there's these other people where it's like, okay, let's get a list of customers that this feature applies to and just like do five minute quick surveys. And it feels like such different approaches. So I think that's a really good call out of just, uh, I guess, how varied, like what user research can be or UX research. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it sounds like you had an amazing experience. I'm wondering, like, if you were to go back before you went to the program, would you say it's worth it? Would you, like, would you do it again? And would you pick the same program that you picked? I I almost would just want to see what another program would be like, just, just sort of to try it out. Um, I think that given where I've, where I've landed, I, I think I suffer from uh, and I think a lot of the wonderful people that I've worked with and gone to school with also suffer from this imposter syndrome thing. I, I continue to suffer from it, for, but at the time, I definitely didn't. Don't think I had the confidence to think that. Oh, if I go into a program, I'll um, I'll definitely get like the job of my dreams, I guess. Uh, and so I think that if I had to do it again, um, I I'd hope that I'd have more confidence in my ability to to whatever program that I chose, I could I could get that job that I wanted or work, do the work that I was really interested in. I think part of the reason why um, I, I definitely looked at the CMU program more besides the experience was that industry employment focus that they have. Like we're, we're getting you ready to go work there. And, you know, since leaving that program and, and working in this field, you know, a part of me is like, well, now I'm working and maybe I want to be learning about all of this. You know, I had such a good time learning about all this, uh, this, this field. And now that I'm, you know, uh, working on some of these uh, interesting subject matters, I'm, I'm able to sort of relax a little and focus on some of, uh, on something more specific, some of these, these interesting sub areas. I, I think back and go, hmm, well, I was in school and that would have probably been the time to actually, you know, uh, stew in some of these interesting topics and go to more conferences, perhaps do an internship. Um, the benefit of school tends to be that you don't have that um, urgency that you would in a job situation where you're saying, 
it would be great if I could spend more time and read about this topic, but I have all this work to do. Technically, that's what education is, is for, is to, is to not have all those pressures. So if I had to do it again, maybe I would have actually explored um, either the University of Maryland program or, um, or some other program uh, that focused a bit more on uh, that gave me more time. The stewing. Yeah, the stewing in it. I think I wasn't ready for it at the time. Maybe I wouldn't have done it anyway because that's my personality. I tend to want to, once I know what I want, I want to get there. But if I had known this, I guess, if, I, if I'd taken my, my current confidence and put it in myself before this program, I, I think I would have tried to choose a program that, you know, allowed me to take some time and, um, you know, I know some programs might include a thesis or um, maybe uh, some interesting internships at the school where you're shadowing a professor maybe um, or you're doing a, a research project that you wouldn't do in another situation. I think those would have been some cool opportunities to explore. Um, and Or, or even uh, CMU does have, you know... Uh, PhDs, but I don't think I was ready for a PhD at the time. Uh, I don't know if I'm still if I'm ready for a PhD in HCI, but uh, I I think I would have maybe taken some time to look more at the different types of courses that they offer in the school and um and something that would have let me spend some time with it. I think. Do you think that? Because it sounds like there's almost this differentiation between programs that are somewhat more academic and then programs that are more you know industry focused do you think that there's like one or another that is more employable when you finish or do you think that there's like equal demand for either type of program I don't know it's a it's a tough call to make these days because a lot of us in these past couple of years we're kind of graduating into we're, we're uh we're the the graduates of the recession. So I think that an impact it's had on me, and I think this is true of anyone who graduates into a recession and not a boom, is that you become a little more conservative in your thinking and security becomes more important to you as a, as a job or education decision comes your way. Um, so I, I don't know the answer. I would say that Given my past experiences, uh, so when I graduated from undergrad, it was 2008. So literally, I think I watched Fanny and Freddie, uh, like I watched that news um, on the television right before my graduation. And and I, I, you know, I still look back and think I'm so lucky I was able to find a job um, that was actually in my career base for like an economics degree um and that one was tough already so thinking beyond you know a degree that that might have not been relevant for that uh i i i don't even know what would have happened i i could have been unemployed for a very long time so my i think it's it's really impacted my mindset it might have impacted the mindset of lots of people yeah that makes a lot of sense i remember when i was in school and that happened and it was it was just weird you know it was like wait we're gonna be adults and go out into the world and this is the climate uh moving on to something maybe hopefully a little bit more positive how is it living in Pittsburgh for a year 
I feel like it's for some reason it's like I have no concept of what Pittsburgh is like. It's like I spent a ton of time in New York. I grew up in LA, but I'm like Pittsburgh. It's actually really nice. So, um, I I so uh, full disclosure, I only got to live in Pittsburgh for about nine months because certain capstone projects um, are sponsored by companies that are uh, that will then sponsor that team to go live close to the company so that they can do the last leg of their project like sort of at the company they get to go to they get to go to work they um they get to live in that city they get to rub shoulders so to speak with all the stakeholders so um i got to i was uh one of the lucky few who got to be on a a team that uh that traveled not everybody wanted to be on a team that traveled but i did so i guess i i would call myself lucky um, so I got to, um, to, to go to New York city and live there for the remainder of my program. So, uh, full disclosure, only nine months, but I thought it was really fantastic. It's a really sweet city. Um, there are a lot of really interesting little things that you can do there. Um, I think that, um, you know, we, we were in the university sort of portion of the city so it's actually not the downtown and one of the interesting things about living in pittsburgh is that for some reason like my impression was that a lot of stuff was happening not in the downtown that downtown was sort of beside the point uh so i i thought it was funny how little time i actually spent in quote-unquote downtown pittsburgh um but you know there's a clear academic climate because of the proximity to cmu and university of pittsburgh uh, there are some really cute neighborhoods that are very nicely affordable, which I can very much appreciate now that I'm living here in the Bay Area. And I, and I previously came from D.C., so I very much appreciate that still. Um, I'll admit that when I was there, I felt very closed in. Partially because you're just going between campus and your own place, and you've got so much work to do. And especially in the second semester when your capstone project is overlapping with your coursework, at which point your work they estimate to be potentially about 80 hours a week, you're like, I just need to get to campus as quickly as possible, and then I need to go back home as quickly as possible, or I need to sleep on campus, one of those things. So while I was there, I very much felt boxed in, and uh, and I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted the bus system to work appropriately. <laughs> which it didn't at many times. But um, now that I think back on my time there, Pittsburgh's actually a really lovely city. And uh, and I would love to go back in a different capacity <laughs> and in non, you know, not actually working in the program capacity so I could actually enjoy it this time and enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy a lot of the food places that were there and, and drive around, you know, the really lovely areas. So... So I guess your, the answer to your question is it was oppressive while I was there, but it's actually a very lovely city. Yeah, it's funny how school can do that to a place, just like ruin it. <laughs> um, well, this has been, I mean, this has been super helpful and interesting for me. Is there anything like if you had, if you're sitting across from your sister or like a really close friend, is there any like pearls of wisdom that you would want to leave them with? You can totally say no. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any pearls of wisdom. Well, I I would say that a pearl of wisdom, 
generally for your career is even if you even if you're a child of the recession like me and you're feeling that risk aversion um I think it's so important to really step back and think about what you want to do because um, I think you'll find your way eventually there no matter what. The question is how quickly you make that into a reality. Um, and I think that the way you do that is by um, not not making decisions based off of other factors. Um, really think about what makes you happy. Uh, and try to enjoy whatever experience you're currently having and and make those decisions and think those thoughts while you're doing that um, because that'll really help you like move towards what you want more quickly and and uh, I think that my experience has taught me that you know my what I've done is I've, I think I've made risk averse decisions um, and I've made them quickly but I've eventually gotten to a place where I'm doing something I really love. And I, I think back and think sometimes if I had been more confident in my abilities and I had been more comfortable at each step along the way, I could have sat there and thought about things and learned about things on my own that would have gotten me here, I think, more quickly. And uh, and I, I think I would eventually have ended up this in this place. So my pearl of wisdom is you know, have the confidence in your abilities to, to really take your time uh, where you are. You, you will get to where you should be eventually um, and, and all the more quickly if you, if you consider those things. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions for Anna, join us for a Q&A in the Slack group next Thursday, April 27th. Remember, you can join the Slack group by going to the community tab at mix-methods.org. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter for updates and announcements. And if you have a second, we would love a review wherever you listen. See you next time.